Traveling the Vortex. We've joined the Doctor as he travels the Vortex and arrive at episode number 319, where we shall have our power. I'm Keith. I'm Sean. I'm Glenn. How are you guys? Well, up until about an hour and a half ago, I was great. <laughs> now I'm kind of reeling. Glenn's a bit emotional tonight. I am a bit emotional tonight. His horse did not win. No, well, <laughs> no, that's not it. Because, well, I did, he didn't truly have a horse I, in that I race. Did have a he did have a horse in that race. race. But, um, There's your analogy. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Horse racing. I could have gone with that. <laughs> No, listeners are very confused because, number one, they have no idea why and I'm And that really, wasn't on pre-roll. They have no idea why I'm emotional. The horse in the race two, was the dead one we keep whipping. So, yeah, the Oscars were tonight. Yay! And um, I won, by the way. And um, Boom. That's why he's so emotional. He's so yeah. happy that he won. No, that's not it. it, it might have been I'm that, emotional that he won. It might have been that last um, category that... Um, is probably like something I've never seen in my life, except for maybe last year's Miss America pageant. But um, <laughs> but who watches just, that? Yeah. <laughs> uh, yeah. The, Steve Harvey's the, like, man, I don't have billions of people watching me do that. The float heard around the world. Yeah. Tonight. That's wow. Just I and and I, up until that, the broadcast was great. I have I yeah, Jimmy Kimmel did a really good job. Terrific broadcast. Broadcast. It was going great. Um, I have no. I haven't seen either of the films, so I have no stake in who should have won. I'm not upset at all that that Moonlight won at all. I'm not upset. I'm upset about what transpired on that <laughs> stage tonight, and how such a mistake on the biggest category of the night. Yeah, could ha- that could happen at the very end of the show? It's just I'm I'm dumbfounded. I'm I've gone from numb to. Now I'm becoming infuriated <laughs> and confused and saddened, and it's just—I uh, don't know. Yeah, it's just, it's just bizarre. Anyway, yeah. So I got 14 right, and uh, <laughs> you got 10 more than me. <laughs> In the back of my head, I when they announced La La Land, I was kind of surprised, honestly, because knowing what. Moonlight was about it just seemed like very much all the Oscar things as the uh, <laughs> honest trailer put it. I wasn't surprised because La La Land's very much one of those, you know, Hollywood feel good movies about Hollywood celebrating the history of Hollywood and it's a musical and we Yeah, it ticks all the boxes yeah. as far as why it should win. But. Yeah. And it did win quite a few. Yeah. It did didn't four five. It didn't uh, run it like a lot of people were thinking it would, though. Mm-mm. Yeah, then all of a sudden it was like mass pandemonium on stage. <laughs> oh my gosh! But full props to the uh, the, the director for or the producer, oh, the producer for for Ball just Land. kind of being like, "Hey, you guys won." Well, he owned the mistake. Yeah. Oh yeah. For the academy. Totally. <laughs> so it. Uh, yeah. Kudos to him for the professionalism that he showed mm-hmm. in turning that over. And congrats to the folks at moonlight yeah and everyone who won yep i look forward to seeing some of these movies yeah, <laughs> <me too. laughs> as as once I, they start coming out on blu-ray as soon as i see some of the ones from last year yeah even the ones that are on netflix speaking of movies did you guys see anything this week 
I watched King Kong. I don't know if I've ever seen that. Which one? The, the original? original. The I want to say I have. <laughs> the original, the Jeff Bridges, the Peter Jackson. Well, or... See, I'm going to go through all of them okay. in preparation for Kong Skull Island. But yeah, I I think I'd seen some, some you of... You know, the first three, they're not sequels, too. Yes. Are you going to watch Kong Lives? No. That was the quasi-sequel to King the Kong Lives? 1970. It's mm-hmm. called Kong Lives. I thought it was King Kong Lives. Uh, I want to watch Son King of Kong, Kong but... but anyway. uh, the library doesn't have it. Oh, King, uh, Son of Con- Kong is one of my favorite movies Do you own it? ever. No, I'm sorry. <laughs> <laughs> you should ask Dave. I think he has it. Oh, I think he was in that King Kong yeah. collection that I got. We have, one it? It. we have one at uh, Vintage. I don't own it. Uh-huh. It's maybe so after maybe some. I only have a, so much time. It's so. Good. And Peter Jackson's is going to take forever. <laughs> Uh, yeah, but I was, so I was going to do those and uh, Godzilla since it's all going to be one shared universe. So I think I had seen most of King Kong. I didn't remember the beginning of it. It's really enjoyable. The effects alone are just incredible for that time period. And it just while some parts are almost cringeworthy in the sexism and racism, <laughs> that's also a, peer, a product of its time also. So, yeah, I thoroughly enjoyed it. I remember watching it as a kid. Um, but not really watching it at my grandmother's house because it terrified me. I had to have been all of, I don't know, four or six or something, mm-hmm. and they were watching it. And I was pulling to Doctor Who. I was, you know, had my hands <laughs> and looking between my fingers and behind the couch and everything. And then I went to bed and I dreamt that King Kong was outside my window and stomping through the neighborhood. See, I remembered large chunks of it. So I obviously had seen it at some point, and I was never afraid of Kong. Oh, he yeah. As a as a kid, that was it. And what's what's really interesting is going to Universal Studios and riding the King Kong experience, where the original one where you would queue up and they, supposedly they were evacuating off the island on the Roosevelt tram, and so you're walking through and you can just see glimpses of this city and there's news monitors that are keeping you occupied while you're in queue lines waiting to be evacuated. And you keep hearing the reports and noises and boom, boom, boom. <laughs> and that was unnerving to me. And then you get on the tram and there's a gigantic animatronic ape. And, you know, it was, it's, it was scary. <laughs> <laughs> it really was. What's amazing about the film is how action-packed it is. Like it really is, The first is, 30 yeah. minutes are kind of slow because you're getting to the island. But then once you get to the island, it is almost nonstop. And then you have a little bit of a lull when they get back to the city. And then it ramps right back up. It yeah. just the, the the speed of this film is incredible and really well acted. Mm-hmm. I thought. Glenn, did you watch anything? I did not watch anything this week <laughs> except for my usual shows. Agents of Shield was really really good. This yeah. Week. Oh my gosh. As you were saying off mic before the show, I'll give credit. Uh, this was probably the best uh, episode of Agents of Shield ever by far. Yeah. They've come a long way from that terrible Ghost Rider story arc. <laughs> I was, I'm, I'm kind of glad to see the LMD coming to an end, although I'm not sure where they're going to go now. Well, we'll be in the Matrix now. So, yeah, <laughs> or the, uh, the, I don't know how long the mainframe. Um, that's that'll be the next step. But yeah. uh, clearly, and Eight is still around, so I mean, you yeah, still have there's LMD, still that threat. It, was anybody else spoiled on the uh, the surprise ending, the, the surprise guest star? Uh, yeah, I I, <laughs> I was quite surprised by that. Yeah. I was spoiled, but I, I also clicked the link and was like, oh, okay. I didn't click the link, but I saw one article that said a surprise, a friend returns from 
Shields Pass or something, I went, oh, Grant Ward's going to be back, huh? <laughs> There's only one person that could ever be yeah. when they do something like that. And then when it went to Daisy and she, your, your boyfriend, Link, and she went running off and I went, <laughs> 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 it was just, there's his picture. Yeah. Lincoln, yeah. Well, whatever. Did she say Lincoln? <laughs> she said Lincoln. She, said Lincoln. Yeah, she goes Lincoln? Oh. Yeah. And then they pan across to the picture, and it's a picture of Ward. Which is weird because... Sarah was like, who's their boyfriend? Who's their boyfriend? <laughs> as tired as I was of Ward by the end of the third season, I was really excited to find it. Oh, it's coming back! <laughs> <laughs> Even if it's just in this well, mainframe thing. Him. It's just, yeah, yeah. It's the mainframe. That doesn't matter. They left us so many little nuggets of to chew on until April of of what's going to be going on in that yeah. mainframe. Yeah, oh, absolutely. Like who Fitz is getting out of the car with, etc. I like how they've structured it this season too, where we did the Ghost Rider arc for about eight episodes, and then the LMD arc for about eight episodes. They've, I think, they've learned from other series that that are shorter in, in scope and frame, and they've realized that if they can make these concise sections of the show it won't feel like they have to pad it out i mean they, they're still obviously doing some padding in there but it's it's actually smart padding yeah that you're focused on one thing for a short amount of time and then you move on to another thing oh it treats it more like a comic book like a six issue run say, oh i'm yeah. sorry <laughs> i didn't no, mean no, to go steal ahead. that go ahead it takes it back to its roots <laughs> yeah. <Period two. laughs> uh, besides that yeah i just watched the usual stuff then Girls was on last week, so I did go home last last week and watch it. <laughs> actually, I had a chance to watch the episode I saw HBO Now. Actually, dropped the episode last night, and I was going to watch it. And I started reading Harry. Well, I did start reading, and I picked up my book because I'm about halfway through it. Or was last night halfway through it. Picked up Harry Potter and the Cursed Child. So I've only oh. got one more act to go in that one, and I'm done. So. Nice. We finished Order of the Phoenix. Oh. <laughs> so while I decide if I want to move on to six. Or pick up a different book to read to Sarah. I'm reading to her Fantastic Beasts and Where to Find Them. Nice little interlude. It's really enjoyable. I need to pick that one up, too. Now, is that done in screenplay form, or is that done in novel form? This is... There is a screenplay, or an adaptation, but this is the would-be textbook. Oh, okay, so it's the small one. So it's it's the Hogwarts Library. Right. Yeah. It's it's a quick read. I read that one. Yeah, it's like 75 pages of that. Well, this is the from the Hogwarts Library, so it was. I don't know if the version you read had the uh, annotations from yes. Harry Potter in them. Yeah, yep. so it's that one. Because it's like actually reading a textbook. Yeah, yeah. It's really enjoyable so far. Hmm. Did you watch anything? Or do anything fun? Um, just our normal shows. We still have. Uh, Legion is show, so weird, isn't it? Legion's very weird. I, I'm enjoying it, but I don't know that I'm enjoying it. It's one of those shows you have to work at. Yeah. If if it weren't eight episodes this season, I would consider giving up. But oh, is it I'm, only eight? Yeah. Okay, that, so that'll since, keep me around. <laughs> since I'm half, um, I'm practically halfway through now. I feel like I should just stick with with it and see what happens. See, we're only two in, but I, I was kind of like, mm. three is just as weird as two. Okay. You said there's only six issues. Eight issues. Eight. It's eight episodes. Yeah. Okay. Well, maybe I'll pick that. I've got that one in my queue to watch. It's really weird. It's really trippy. Yes. <laughs> Uh, I watched uh, the first episode of Riverdale. Have you guys <laughs> really? Heard about this? Yeah. Archie. So, you, have you guys heard much about it? I, I've, I just know it's a dark take on Archie wow. Comics. Okay, so I grew up. I, in fact, I still occasionally pick up Archie Comics. I, I've always loved Archie Comics, and I used to read them religiously when I was younger. Love the characters. Love the humor. Love the slappy, fun, light comedy of them. 
I watched Riverdale not expecting what I got out of Riverdale, which <laughs> is part 90210, part uh, Twin Peaks. <laughs> really? Yeah. And part, I don't know, heavy primetime drama. I mean, it's it's wild because it's the familiar characters, but they're they're in a completely different Is it world. Twin Peaks because it's weird or it's Twin, Be- Twin Peaks because it, it's, it's crime? That, it's because, it, actually, it's because of, actually, it's an, it's an event, something that has happened that is similar to, it's not the weird, trippy, strange alien. <laughs> it's not the David Lynch stuff. No, it's not the David Lynch stuff. <laughs> but, it, 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 you know, it's star- that, that's the part Twin Peaks is, is almost a plot element of it. That you don't very, know what is it? Is it kind of like shrouded in mystery? It's the little Laura Palmer uh, mystery where she washes up on the beach at the very beginning. Well, a character. This is not spoiling anything, but a character has died in Riverdale, and his, you don't know who did it. Yeah, here. his sister has survived. Apparently, he fell out of the boat. But there's this big reveal at the end of the episode of well, he didn't just fall out of the boat. So uh, it, yeah, it says that that's the element of it that, that's there of that. And then there's a little bit of Archie <coughs> comics sprinkled in, just basically they use the characters. <laughs> but but they have the love triangle going between Veronica and Betty and Archie. Uh, Jughead hasn't been utilized much, but he's kind of in the background blogging about what's going on. Uh, I wonder Moose, if that, they actually have that blog online somewhere. Maybe. <laughs> Moose uh, is. I like how they're flirting. There's another character that I'm not familiar with at all who might be in the comics now, um, but he, his character is homosexual, and there's this. It seems like there's a tryst of him and Moose going on, and Moose maybe is is exploring his sexuality, which was interesting. I thought that was kind of hmm. because you know Moose Way is the big bully guy, yeah. yeah. But uh, it, it'll be interesting where they go with that because Moose seems to be in this show the character that doesn't want anybody to know that he's exploring. Mm. In fact, he makes those comments when the, they're they're the ones that go down and actually discover the body. Um, but then you've got you've got Reggie, you've got, and I like a lot of the bold attempts they did. They've got Josie and the Pussycats, <laughs> and but they've chosen an African American actress to play her, which I think is a great idea. And then I think Reggie's Asian, so there's a lot of diversity too. Oh, that's good. So it's yeah. I, I, CW is usually pretty good about yeah, diversifying. So. Anyway, it's weird because I they hooked me because it was Archie, and I, I thought okay, but then they got me into it, and I thought oh, this is just wrong. This seems this whole scenario is <laughs> just the wrong. premise. Is... But I watched all the way to the end, and I thought this isn't my kind of show, but I'm going to keep watching this show. So, well, yeah. Let's move on to news. We got a teaser, <laughs> not a trailer. Not a trailer. Some people are calling it a teaser trailer. We would like to clarify BBC's recent release. <laughs> New Doctor Who trailer. We, we'd no. like to clarify our Facebook post from earlier <laughs> in the day or week. Uh, from yesterday. Yeah. That's what happens when I watch. I don't watch something before I share it. <laughs> I wasn't going to throw you under the bus. Oh, gonna, I'll take gonna, claim on that. We I'm not the only one calling it a trailer. We're going to collectively take. Uh, that I, I would have thrown you under the bus because I'm sitting over here going, "I'm so glad it wasn't me." <laughs> we had a long discussion. At least six or eight podcasts ago about the difference between <laughs> teasers and trailers, and then we get it wrong. <laughs> it's like, wait a minute. Again. Again. <laughs> <laughs> I didn't watch it first. <laughs> What's this wee stuff, Kimasabi? <laughs> what did you guys think of the teaser? I liked it's it. Good. It's good. It's uh, it, it, it's weird to get a teaser after getting a full trailer. I'll give you that. Yeah. So I can see where a lot of people are confused. <laughs> um, however, we meant to release this first. <laughs> <laughs> um, it doesn't say a lot for what we're going to see, 
But what mm-hmm. it says a lot in context is what Bill is saying. When you first meet him, he's a hero. He's funny. He's funny. That's it. Second, Second time, he's, he's amazing. amazing. Yeah, the third time, time, you realize he's the most yeah. dangerous man in the universe. Where did get hero from? <laughs> anyway, yeah. Well, that's because it ends with time for heroes. Oh, that's what it was, yeah. So there's a lot the of The return context. of the ghost. There's a lot of that context <laughs> that, that, that she's talking about. And you could apply it to Capaldi's three years as the doctor now. Mm-hmm. And with the first two, are they echoes of what we saw? in the first two series that he was in and then you can also apply it to the fact that well it's just it's coming from bill so she's making these observations from her point of view and so i just i think it's it's, there's lots of layers to it it almost feels like i remember going popping in the series one dvd and seeing all these teasers and it felt like some of those because they were trying to introduce christopher eccleson as the doctor before the series ever started Oh, and yeah, yeah, it, it yeah. kind of feels like this because yeah. we haven't, as far as I'm aware, haven't had a lot of teasers like this. Most of them had been teasers like short clips, yeah, yeah. more than anything else. Um, the only other time I can think of something like this is the two alternating ones with Matt and uh, Jenna talking about each, him yes, talking about right. her as a mystery, and yep. but that was still kind of more. Oh, there's something, there's meat there because yes. it's talking about the overall mystery of what's happening Agreed. here. Agreed. It talked about a plot point that was going to yeah. come up for each of. And then we got a nice shot of a blurry bunch of villains. Yeah. <laughs> Which is, yeah, at the end it's like, who are we, we going to see? No, most definitely a Dalek, Cyberman, and an Ice Warrior. Which we know the Ice Warrior's coming. Did we know the Cybermen were coming back? Mm-mm. You're not more excited over that? Well, it looks almost like an old face. It's like a Cybus face. I don't know if it's just distorted weird or what. <sighs> You're not shocked that Glenn's not more excited about the Daleks? No, we knew they'd be back. <laughs> yeah, I was going to say, even as much as I love the Daleks, I'm never surprised that they're back. It was an enjoyable teaser. I was slightly disappointed it wasn't an actual trailer. Because <laughs> I, I, I shared it, and then 12 hours later, I was like, oh yeah, I haven't watched that yet. <laughs> and hopped online and went, that was it? Did I watch the wrong one? The cynic in me wants to bag on it for being like, okay, loud noises, explosions, hero talk, here's the doctor, some more loud noises and explosions. Yeah, okay. But I, I, I can't because I still get giddy excitement that Doctor Who's coming back. <laughs> uh, kudos to uh, DoctorWhoNews.net who did call it Doctor Who News Series Teaser. <laughs> Good job, guys. Good job. What else is in the news? Well, there is a rumor that class is being canceled. <laughs> no more school, no more... Oh, wait. You mean the show. <laughs> the show. Damn it. Uh, the Mirror is reporting that they have axed it. Which could be erroneous. The so. BBC says no decision on a recommission has been made. That's the official announcement. Do we have any information on viewing figures well, for the show? It did not do great. So here's the situation. Is when it premiered, it premiered on BBC Three, I believe. Yes. And it did moderately well on BBC Three on its first run. However, when they commissioned the series, the series was required to run on BBC One proper after it had run on BBC Three. And unfortunately, they were showing it at 11.30 at night over on BBC One. And the overnight viewing figures were coming in, and they were abysmal. In fact, there were some nights that the regular overnights beat 
the nights that class was on, which is unheard of. Then we're talking test patterns and, <laughs> you know, things that nobody watches. And so I think what they did is they did themselves a disservice because I think the Showing BBC is late. looking yeah, for that. And they're looking at those numbers and going, well, it didn't draw anybody here. Well, of course it didn't draw anybody there because it's <laughs> 1130 at night. And it and was so, a repeat. And it was a repeat. Yes, yeah. everybody had already seen it. So I think what, what has happened here is the number crunchers, the bean counters, the BBC are looking at the numbers and they're not looking at the overall picture of what they've done to this series by putting it on BBC Three at a decent time and getting, you know, they weren't remarkable ratings, but they were average ratings, they were decent ratings, and then rerunning it on their, you know, flagship network but running it so late at night and saying, well, it's obviously not doing well because it's not bringing viewers to the 11.30 and, hour. And months no one after expects it to bring ended. viewers to the, the 11.30 hour. That's not where you well, And I guess it didn't great Especially do a lot of BBCI player either, either. Well, yeah, the, the, that's another well online. thing they, they look at as well. And uh, what do, you, do you understand how the appreciation rate works? Appreciation index is a different set of numbers as how someone feels about the series not how enjoyable how many, it was yeah how enjoyable it was not how many eyes were on screens at that time so. well it got a 70 compared to 82 for uh return of dr mysterio right so on the appreciation appreciation index, appreciation figures i'm not sure how that compares I think to other slightly better than... i mean if if we're scoring out of 100 that's not horrible <laughs> Which may be what has it on the bubble right now with the BBC, yeah. is that the appreciation index is probably up there high enough that they're going, well, if we look at this, look at it this way, maybe it does warrant a, a recommission. So. The Mirror article says it is a low appreciation rate. We'll let you know what our appreciation rating is when we get around to reviewing yeah. it after season well, 10. Yeah, who knows how it's going to do over here in the U.S. Well, that's another issue that you'll have to look at, too, is that if it does really well on BBC America, BBC America will be willing to fund a second series. So that's another reason that the BBC is going to be mm -hmm. on the bubble of this, is they want to know if they're going to have a second funding source for this. I don't know how much money BBC America put into class in its first run. Um, but if they if it does well, they will certainly throw some money at it, and it will become a co-production, and the BBC will make sure that they get a second series, which in turn, the BBC now has a, a good funding source to be able to put it on their networks again and, and run a second series as well. Because they're not, you know, not going to say, well, it didn't do well here. BBC America can have it. They're going to yeah. say... There's enough, you know, money in this now that it makes it viable for us to run series two and see how it does over here as well. So. It's true. That's it for news. Scott sent in some feedback that unfortunately slipped through the cracks, but we will read it out now. He says, "In the words of you two, I can't believe the news today. I want to close my eyes and make it go away." Hi, Kansas crew. First, John Hurt dying. And now, Peter Capaldi leaving to say a few words about John Hurt. I was a fan of his going back to the mid-70s when he was Caligula on I, Claudius. It takes a special actor to make a crazed madman someone you could have sympathy for, and he did it. My best wishes to him and his family. As for Capaldi, as much as I am a Moffat fan, I was so looking forward to seeing how his doctor would be like from a new perspective. The idea of three years and out was one thing when a series season was 26 weeks long, but 12 weeks and a Christmas special is too fast. In this new round of Who Will Be the Doctor, I want to stay with my original pick, maybe from last year or longer, of Olivia Coleman. 
She's had three seasons working with Tennant and Chibnall. She has the range from doing comedy to serious drama. And I just saw a headline from the Daily Telegraph where Tennant thinks she would be magnificent. Two other choices that I would also like are Haley Atwell and Richard Aowade. Did I say that right? Yay, Scott. Interesting choices, Scott. Yeah. I've heard Olivia Coleman batted around quite a bit. Would not be opposed. I think good uh, actor, that's all I'm asking. Yeah. I think in the the, the circles of fandom, uh, Olivia Coleman is is up there as far as a lot of people. I think her appreciation index is very high <laughs> among fans at this point, which sort of tells me that I'm not saying that they I, I again I think it's far too early to be speculating this when we're an entire year out. However, I think that gauges enough of a uh, level of how acceptable a female doctor would be at this point. And I think maybe Missy, being the master now, has maybe sort of shifted those figures of people that were maybe against it or, or a little trepidatious about it they're probably more warming up to the idea of a female doctor. And so I think we're at this point now where as much as you see Olivia Coleman being, yeah, I, I can see her as the next doctor, I think that's maybe a gauge as to whether they may think it's time to attempt uh, a female doctor in a role. So we'll see where it's it goes. True. I don't have a lot of knowledge of her. I have not watched uh, Broadchurch at all, which I hear she's phenomenal in. Most of my experience with Olivia uh, is in comedies. I mean, she's... Mm-hmm. She did a lot of comedies on BBC that I've watched. One particular is Peep Show. She was very good in the Five Edge Doctors reboot. Because <laughs> she's in everything. Yeah. The three lines that she had. She was very good. <laughs> Made a believer out of me. Well, if you want to send us feedback, you can send it to feedback at Traveling the Vortex or go to our website and fill out that send us feedback tab. And if for some reason you haven't heard your feedback read out, let us know. Yeah. Reach out to us on As Facebook <laughs> or Twitter. Yeah, Not that Scott used it, but we're disallowing smoke signals. We've joked about it that you can send them. And, uh, we've decided that that's not a good idea. Yeah. Let's move on to our reviews. Are we there already? Holy we're cow. there already. We're just moving right along. Lost since its premiere on the BBC 50 years ago. The full six-part story of The Power of the Daleks has now been meticulously animated based on the original audio. Autographs. Photo- autographs. <laughs> photographs. Night, folks. Sorry. <laughs> Patrick Troughton. How'd you get your DVD signed, Sean? Wasn't easy. <laughs> and surviving film clips. One of the most celebrated Doctor Who stories of all time, this six-part adventure finds a newly regenerated second Doctor and his companions, Polly and Ben, on the planet Vulcan, battling his oldest and most deadliest foe, the Daleks. Bum, bum, bum. I thoroughly enjoyed this one. So you actually got to finish it? I did get to finish it. Did you watch in black and white before you watched it in color? So no, I just, I've only it? seen the color version at this point. Well, you saw the first I half. Saw, oh, I saw clips. Yeah, the I saw a couple half. of hand, hand. Well, yeah, I guess I saw the first half in, in black and white. I like the color. We'll get into that in a minute. This is a good story. I think it's a well-told story. Yeah. I like a lot of the elements that are in this. I don't like the doctor in this one. This one very much is, which is weird because it was the first one, but in hindsight, it's very much a post-regeneration sickness episode where he's not quite there yet. Well, and it's one of those where, obviously, 
Patrick is trying to figure out how he's going to play him, mm-hmm. and the writers aren't sure how to write him yet. Yeah. Because it, there are parts of it that seems like it's written very first Doctor still. I and, know Moffat says that you just write it and the actor puts the stamp on it, but I don't really fully believe that. I don't fully believe it either. And uh, they're trying to keep that air of mystery around him, and he's almost trying too hard Yeah. to um, not confirm or deny that he's the Doctor. And he even references the Doctor he talks in, in, the third in, in third person. <laughs> but uh, what, what worked for me was the Companions. It was, it was that uh, ben, and Polly. ben and Polly, and I like that they have that struggle. That Ben is adamant that I don't know who this guy is, and Polly's like, oh, I think it's the Doctor. And as you go through the story, Ben slowly kind of no, I don't. He keeps backing yeah. off of it, and yeah. won't commit to it. And then by the end, he's like, Yeah, that's totally the Doctor. Come on, let's go. And there's there's no acknowledgement of it. There's no you changed your mind. He's just on board all of a sudden. Yeah, and I like that. Yeah, it does work. One one thing with the, with the way the doctor is portrayed, I think it it also goes to show Patrick's acting abilities because yeah. he goes from he's not the cosmic hobo here; he is kind of grumpy and a little darker and more mysterious. And to be able to then swing later to that more comedy aspect of it later in his run, I think it shows more of his range. I think he sort of hit the nail on the head as far as character of the doctor is written in such a way in this one and i i just don't think patrick knew how he wanted to play the doctor and i think we've referenced the fact that it wasn't until underwater menace that that patrick really cemented what kind of doctor he wanted to play and we don't get there until three Three years later because you've got this one then you've got the highlanders then i believe after that is underwater menace i think the doctor was heavily influenced by the script in this one specifically and I think it's because this is the first time in history that this has happened, that we've had a actor come in and play the Doctor. I mean, it's definitely the first time in history. It's the first time ever that the Doctor you know, completely <laughs> changes personalities yeah. and faces and everything like that. And so I think a lot of that was driven by the script. David Whitaker, I think, who probably should get a lot of credit for being able to hand over a story like this and with a new Doctor, with a new person playing it, and... I think he also didn't want to stray too far from how William Hartnell had portrayed the character. So I think that's what Troughton's doing here, is by invoking a lot of this mystery of who this different person is, it's getting the audience used to the fact that we've got a different face, we've got a slightly different personality, we've got a different person playing the Doctor here. So I think that helps, and I think Whitaker's writing helps that along. And Patrick's performance is great in this, don't get me wrong. Mm -hmm. When you watch this and you realize we've seen so much of Troughton's second Doctor from episodes far in advance, or stories far in advance to where this one was down the line, to look back at this one and realize that he's still putting in a a very strong performance with a Doctor that we're still very unfamiliar with. I think that's a testament to his acting as a testament to Whitaker's writing. You really almost have to look at it as a different animal. Um, I, I, I initially was thinking I would compare it with maybe Deep Breath for being kind of a not well done transfer of, of, of Doctor, but that's really not even fair either because Deep Breath should have had the benefit of we've done this X number of times before, yeah. and and people know what to expect. Nobody knew what to expect with this one, so it's you you can't almost compare it to anything else in the canon. Well, it's been said before that they, they could have easily just tried to have another actor continue on without really changing the Doctor too much. And the fact that they do make these drastic changes and make a point, and they could have found somebody that was kind of like William Hartnell to try to carry it on, and they didn't do that. 
And I think that is partially part of the way he tried to write it also. I also think the Daleks are sort of re- returned to a bit of a, a menacing presence in this one as well. Mm-hmm. I think that by making them this subversive group that the colonists don't quite know whether to trust these new machines. And we've got the one lead scientist, and I, st- I even rewatched this this week and I can't remember his name. The guy looks like Niter. Lesterson? Lesterson. Lesterson. You've got Lesterson who is so overjoyed and excited about putting these things to work and being able yeah. to utilize these things and give them their power so that they can help us and we can utilize them. And so I think by taking the Daleks back to a bit of a, a more menacing presence, because they sort of got away from that. We got the Daleks, which I think I think the Daleks are genuinely scary in that. We don't know what to expect. They're brand new. We don't know what, what, what they're capable of at that point. Dogs of Asian Earth, which I think they are still quite menacing because they maybe their plan is a bit hokey, but they they still are scary because they have taken over the Earth and they're, mm-hmm. they're causing havoc here. It's when you get to Dalek Master Plan, which I know I've got the benefit of having a little more knowledge that they're a little more uh, there's a little less menacing there and a little more I don't want to say a comical element, but they're they're played to more of a humorous type, uh, not not. Too much, but they're more of a bumbling type villain, and then even more so, I think, in the chase as they're trying to chase them down, which yeah. you guys, you know, have, have the knowledge of that. So I think <laughs> we started getting away from that. I think once we get to Evil of the Daleks too, we'll kind of see that that menacing villain carries over into Evil as well. So I, I think that helps that we've returned the Daleks to less of a. I don't want to say they're comic relief because they never were really even a comic release in Hartnell's Har- Har- but they were, there wasn't as much uh, brevity there as there, there is when we return to that. Well, and, and I think there is something to be said also for absence. The fact that they were gone for quite a while between Dalek's Master Plan to this. I, can't, I don't know the exact number of stories, but it's at least two companions worth because yeah. Stephen <clears throat> leaves... And Dodo is kind of the transition, so Dodo at least didn't encounter the Daleks at all. Granted, she's probably not in as many as I think she is, but it's still at least a good season, if not longer, that the Daleks aren't around to menace and the law of diminishing returns of how effective they are as villains. I would agree. And the fact that their plan is just, we need to get power, and then we can do what we want to do, the fact that it's kind of a simple plan works to the Daleks' benefit for this. Because that tends to be the more complex plans they try to make, the less they make sense. <laughs> We're going to core the Earth and use it as a spaceship. Why? Okay. Because it'll be cool. <laughs> oh, you just need power. You're trying to get back to your station and take over the world or universe. Okay, all right. Well, and it's it's passe now because we've seen this idea repeated in uh, with other villains too. Is it Death to the Daleks with the Exilians, where the, the the guns don't work and they have to adapt to that? And then obviously in in Victory of the Daleks, where we've got Would you like a cup of tea? And so when these Daleks are going for the first time, I am your servant. It's downright creepy. Oh yeah, it, it is an effectively chilling moment because it's the first time. And, of course, we're all on the couch screaming, No, you're not! And and everybody's (laughs) buying it. We're the doctors saying, No, it's they're evil. I've always said this before, that I don't think the Daleks are as menacing unless the Doctor is afraid of the Daleks. When the Doctor's afraid of the Daleks, then I'm afraid of the Daleks. 
Yep. And I think this is one of those situations where the doctor's driving home the fact that you need to be careful of these guys. You need to be afraid of these guys. And so that, I think, helps drive that point home. We, we revert back to the third doctor eventually being so, oh, you know, they're, they're, it's, it's the Daleks again type thing. Now, he, he is very cautioning when we come to, when we see them again in Day of the Daleks, Planet of the Daleks. He's still cautioning, but he seems a little more flippant about it than mm -hmm. in this situation where the, you know, the, the doctor's very concerned that we're, they're bringing back this evil entity. And uh, I think that, that Matt Smith sells that again in Victory of the Doctor, oh, yeah. which is very similar to this, so that works for me. If you can, if you can make the Doctor be afraid of the Daleks, then I'm afraid of the Daleks because then I know the situation is great. This is one that uh, I very much enjoyed. The, all the humans uh, in the story, whereas normally when you get a group of people that are like, "Oh, we don't know what this is. Let's feed it some power," and "Oh, it accidentally killed a guy." Well, maybe it didn't mean to. Let's give it some more power and see what we can do. With it. I, I should be rooting for these people to die horribly. Well, it's one of those... If these people are interesting enough that if you took out the Daleks and put just a machine in, it would still be a good story. Mm -hmm. Because of the interesting characters and their motivations and the twists and turns the story makes of who's doing what and who's behind what. Janley, she started yeah. off in episode one as just random lab tech number four, but then wound up being like the head of the... Res I was like, oh... Cool. I mean, she just, she, every episode, she was given a little bit more to do, a little yeah. bit more mystery revealed, and, you know, so I didn't see any of that coming. Um, the, the governor, I like the fact that he wasn't corrupt, as so many of these people that we wind up dealing with in these kinds of scenarios are. Now, he was observed by a corrupt guy. Well, and he was just, his fault is he's just a little too much by the book. Yeah. You know, mm -hmm. he feels secure in his position, which I think is his first downfall, is the fact that I think he feels like he has more power than he does when you're that secure in your role then that's a dangerous situation well, especially when your in. chief of security is a nazi yeah. <laughs> when uh, they came out wearing the all-black uniform it was like not even subtle <laughs> just gonna go that, there that so easily could have been turned into this just power inducing governor but he really comes across as this by the book guy Mm -hmm. And that's that's another detriment is the fact mm -hmm. that he is so so by the book that it blinds him to the situation that's developing around him. Well, and the fact that he then takes off halfway through the story, yes. to <laughs> then allows it to kind of happen while he's gone. It, it almost I almost got the impression that had he stuck around, the resistance might not have risen well, up as much as they did. His third downfall is he puts far too much trust in others. Yeah, and I think that that's what bites him. In, in the end, is the fact that he puts uh, what's his name, the Nazi guy, in Bregan, charge, yeah. Bregan in charge. Yeah. Who, who was the other guy that was? They, they kind of legitimately to believe was the bad guy, even though I don't know that anybody really believed it. Quinn. Quinn. Quinn's another character. Oh yeah, that's, the, who winds up getting locked up with the doctor? Yeah. 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 Quinn's another character who's really who's really pretty great, and they pull the rug out from under you several times as the story progresses because you're not really sure where you stand with him, or why you should stand with him there. <laughs> um, and then there's, there's even Lesterton. You know, okay, the egghead who's going to give him the power. Oh, he's going to be that guy. No, he isn't. Because he, he, he never... He get, gains a conscience halfway through. He does. Finally. Yeah. And, and <laughs> Although he has to observe what's going on before he finally tips the well, scale. He, he, he thinks he has the power also. Yeah. And it's not until he realizes he doesn't have the power over these creatures like he thought he does. That's what tips him over the edge. Wait a minute. 
there's an allegory here. Yeah. <laughs> you, you, this is there's several layers there to the title layer. of this. I didn't even care. You didn't know that? No, oh, you can't. <laughs> I'm, I'm trying to be painfully obvious of the fact that there's a lot there's of power lot struggles in Power of the Daleks, other than the electrical one. Uh, but I just I love the fact that not only does he grow a conscience after he sees this stuff, that he then actively starts trying to stop that. But then he goes nuts. <laughs> and it was just kind of like, I didn't see any of that coming. I didn't yeah. see it coming. I think that's one of the, I think the weaknesses of the story is, I think the, the madness comes at too abrupt of a pace for me. I think that he, he descends into madness too, madness too quickly in this situation. Now, on the flip side of that, I, I think where they take the character up to so late in the story that they had nowhere to go but that direction. Or kill him. Or I kill mean, that, that's him. that's what I was expecting Which to happen. Well, is so. he, he gains a conscience. <laughs> he tries to turn on him. They blast him. That's the end of this guy. That's no, you know. Yeah. And I think he may have been a few shades of crazy already. Oh, <laughs> yeah. It wasn't going to take much. You, to... you can see that when he gets to conscience yeah. aspect of it. You see that kind of crazy look in his eye of, oh, God, what have I done? And then yeah. it's kind of he's kind of unhinged the rest of the time all the way through well, that. I suppose a certain oh, I've doomed us all realization maybe could mm-hmm. press somebody into the madness that quickly. But that was just something that felt a little too... I, in fact, if they had maybe... If that had peaked and subtly changed slower throughout the process of it, I think I might have had a better acceptance of it. But it's fine. I don't, I'm, not, I'm yeah. not knocking it altogether. I just... That was one of the issues that I had with it. And I think the fact that... It's a little like pretty uh, much Lloyd Bridges character in uh, airplane where you know he, he of course he he's stepping into the different abuses that he's going back to but by the end he's so bs crazy it's like wait a minute where did this come from well and i i think that t- to some extent had not most of these characters died i wouldn't have enjoyed their arcs as much the fact that so many of them die uh, the, like only quinn is left at the end almost that helps me be more okay with his crazy aspect because he doesn't go on to continue being crazy. He then dies. Right, yeah. right. Had he lived, it would have been a completely different issue. Well, and even uh, Jamney. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Her almost quasi-heroic redemption there mm-hmm. near the end of the hallway works really well for her character. Yeah. Because you really kind of, as leader of the Resistance, you really feel like she would have gone to any means... I mean, I think she would have gone to any means to make sure that the resistance prevailed, but she also realizes the mistakes that she's made along the way as well, and gets a bit of that redemption redemption moment there in the hallway as well. So, I, I yeah, that that character's developed really well too. So. My one complaint with the story in general, I think, would probably be because we have so many great other characters, aside from helping us ease into this new doctor. The companions don't get a lot to do. That's very true. I mean, Polly just goes away for two whole episodes. And then Ben goes away after that. I mean, we get a little bit of Polly trying to talk whatever his face is, whoever was in love with Jan Lee. Right. (laughs) (laughs) Whatever that guy was. Into kind of convince them, pushing them the other direction away from the rebellion. But other than that, aside from the Doctor, our main characters aren't really doing much in this story. Well, and even at times the doctor well, he gets locked is up running for a whole in circles, episode, yeah. too. That's the other, I think, the problem with this as well. I think Patrick Stewart is putting forth Trout. a very... Uh, Trout, Trout, Patrick Stewart. <laughs> Patrick, Patrick Stewart well, Patrick Stewart very might different. have been doing a very good performance at this time, too, on stage somewhere <laughs> in the UK. But Patrick Trout, while he's putting on a very good performance, uh, 
there, it seems like the character's being run in circles a lot. I think that also has to do with the fact that we've stretched this out to six episodes. And we're, I think maybe Whitaker might have struggled to find things for the Doctor to do. And Although the glasses to open the gel sale yeah. was just fantastic. <laughs> oh, oh, he's got, there's moments, don't get me wrong. In <laughs> fact, there, there are shining moments that he does give the Doctor. But there's, there's a lot of times where there's that capture and escape feel. Yeah. And the, the end of that joke... Where they stop and he goes back and gets the water pitcher. <laughs> we don't want him to get out. <laughs> that's the that's the glimmer of the future doctor that yeah. we're familiar I think with. You're right. Yeah. That's at the point where I'm like, oh, okay, this is two that I know and love, and he kind of stays that way through the rest of the story. Yeah, I also enjoy, I enjoy the Daleks in this quite a bit, as you said, everybody dies. And I even tweeted out on Friday Night Who that I, I really was appreciative of the fact that they kind of let the plan go. The, the Daleks have this plan, and we're manufacturing more of us, and we're going to get our stuff, and then they go. They wipe out just about <laughs> everybody. Well, it's not very often you get kind of a Dalek plan that, to some extent, gets to succeed. Yeah. They're always thwarted so early that, yeah, as you tweeted, they actually get to somewhat do what they're supposed to do. Yeah. Yeah, it's very refreshing in this one to actually see Daleks killing people. And, and causing mayhem and, and being the victors for a while, as opposed to, we're going to enact this plan three to, oh, the doctor stopped us. And so yeah. I, 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 re- I really got, I really enjoyed that aspect. I was, <laughs> was kind of rooting for him. Yeah, go, kill that guy. <laughs> you know, just. Should we talk about some of the uh, technical aspects of the animation? Let's we, talk about we, the animation. We talked a little bit about this when we were reviewing these on a, on a step-by-step, so we won't dwell a lot on some of the maybe negatives and positives that we talked about. We'll touch on some of the highlights. So I have to say, I was very, uh, I didn't like the people in the black and white. I thought the Daleks looked gorgeous. I'm reversed on the colorized. The the people look great, and the Daleks look too CGI'd. Yep. <laughs> it doesn't match the style anymore yeah. for some reason. I noticed that, too, especially when you get more and more and more of them. Yeah. It's like when there's just one or two on screen, they're fine. Once you get an army of Daleks moving in that quarter, they look very CGI. See, and I thought that was strange. And some of the times they look brighter than they should. They do. I think they will look wonderful. I think they look amazing in both black and white and color. But I agree with you that the contrast against the other characters... That's the problem. The, it works against it. Yeah. So, I mean, if you could do an entire Dalek story animated <laughs> in this style, they would look gorgeous. Oh, yeah. But you're right. They do very much contrast against uh, the, the regular characters. Now... That being said, I still think that this was the best way to do the Daleks. I mean, it really was. Even though it's very contrasting, they, they look gorgeous in this. They look incredible. All of the machinery, the Daleks look great. The console, the TARDIS console looked amazing. Any of the, the square backgrounds and the technology and, and the, the laboratory and all of that stuff looked fantastic. The, when you the put the vessel. paper dolls in front of it, it just yeah. kind of brings it in. Uh, I tried to look for that moment where you talked about where the co- the outfits changed, and I didn't notice it in the color version. I didn't notice it in the I color didn't version either. This time either. So I wonder if it was just too similar of styles of clothes between the black and whites. I think because the, 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 the color also the outfits. The difference is really the, the, the colors remain the same. They remain correct, so you don't notice that the that the, oh, that the, that the, the outfit is actually the cut of the outfit. Is maybe the, is maybe the that's same. what it was. I was looking at colors and yeah, not the style. Yeah, because I didn't notice this time. You know, I had to go back and go, where did I miss this? And it is. It's the cut of the style. Of, but with the color, it wasn't caught. 
So yeah. that's why it's so glaringly obvious to me in the black and white. Yeah. Is because they didn't see it. Because I still go back to my belief that this was done, was commissioned to be colorized initially. And then they at some point made the decision to put the black and white filters on it. Instead of colorizing the black and white version, I think they they black and white. And did black you, did white you notice that there was a credit for a colorization? Yes, but even when you're making when you would still be, show, there would still you be still a still have colors. There. You still have coloration artists. So I also think that the the colorize with such a large cast within the, the the mining colony, the very very smart decision to color code people. Yes, and, that and helps. give everybody a different outfit really helped sell to me who some of these mid-level administrators were. Ranking wise, yeah. how things went. Yeah, I don't, I don't pretend to understand it. It was just that's the brown guy, that's the orange guy. Until I kind of got caught up with the names, it really helped yeah. with with it, where it things does. were at. I've made no secret. I've always loved this story because I watched the Telestaff version of it that they released on the MP3 CDs years ago. I've also listened to the audio on this. Uh, I haven't read the novel yet, but that's my next. That'll be my next goal. I've always loved this, and I, every time I watch this, it gets better and better. And I think one of the things there was a step back when I watched this version, only because the animation is not up to the best. I think it, it's kind of subpar as far as animation goes. Now I understand why they did it, and I'm very grateful that they animated it, regardless of how choppy or 2D it looks to me, and and puppet looking it does that kind of set me back on the story the first time i watched it this time watching it and the color kind of helps as well but this time watching it i didn't have as many problems with the very you know stoic walking and, and the rocking side to side and the, the almost you know i always always park. to is yeah well or even like they used to have these paper dolls where the hinges and the, the elbows and things like that were on brads and you can yeah. you know you move them. that's what it reminds me of but it was much easier to watch it the second time through and really immerse myself in the story again. Well, and the more you watch it, watching it in three-episode chunks, even coming back to episode four, I'd be kind of put off of the animation at first, and then I'd get used to it and could focus on the story more. I think you As and opposed I, to ha- watching episode by episode. I think you and I even mentioned that when we were watching episode by episode, even by five and six, watching it week to week, yeah. we still had gotten, we still we had, got we still had more. gotten used to the, the yeah. animation. Strangely enough, this is one of the few that maybe we do a disservice by breaking it up at all. Well, maybe this is one that really benefits from an omnibus. I'm going to watch all six parts of this at once, because once you get over the hump of the animation, you're in it. And so you're just rolling along with it. Uh, I d- so I did watch the bonus feature, Servants and Masters, which is a really nice making of. And noticed that, because I didn't watch the uh, Telesnap reconstruction... It does benefit from the animation also in the fact that we don't see 2D cutout Daleks in the background. <laughs> <laughs> Do they exist in this one? Yeah, yeah. yeah. The, they, some of the crowd shots were 2D cutout. back to that well for, from the first uh, yeah, Daleks. Story. Yeah, and they are painfully obvious 2D cutout from what I saw of the clips of the pictures they showed. <laughs> I'm convinced we could make a Dalek story because if it worked for the BBC... <laughs> I can get away so with I'm that cardboard. I'm pretty sure they out. only had like four, yeah, <laughs> maybe three actual working Daleks. I think it's a thoroughly enjoyable one, and I'm glad that that they tackled it in the way that they did to bring it out, you know, animated or otherwise. I'm grateful to have it in my collection. Well, I Absolutely. hope it goes well as far as sales, so that the BBC will consider to entertain will consider continuing to do something like this and do it as special event, uh, even if you do 
a co-op with BBC America. Hopefully, it did fairly well. BBC America yeah. for them to f- throw some funding their way too. It'll be nice to see them to do more of these. I did see there are some rumors, <laughs> which somebody posted on Facebook. What do you think of this? There are some rumors that the next one being considered is the Space Pirates. Really? Which is considered one of the stinkers of Doctor <laughs> Who. Um, I have recently read some um, uh, rewatches and re-reviews of Space Pirates that makes me think that maybe it's going to be one of these ones that when we finally do see it, we're going to go, I don't think this is as bad as fandom has painted it. So hopefully we'll get that opportunity with an animated version. That would be nice. Is that the one where there was a um, petition to get them yeah, to animate that's, that that's one? That's the one. That's okay. what it was, yeah. The petition to get the animation. It frequently <laughs> falls at the very bottom of the list as far as appreciation for episodes or stories. So. Well, I, I didn't bring it up on the podcast. Uh, I'm a part of the BBC Worldwide fan uh, survey panel stuff, so I get emails of, what did you think of this, et cetera, et cetera, uh, even for non-Doctor Who things. But I got an email and a survey talking about Power of the Daleks. And one of the questions, which had me concerned, was would you be interested in seeing condensed versions of animated stories? No. Nope. <laughs> no, absolutely not. But I gave high reviews for Power of the Daleks and said, please do more, please do more. And they asked, what ones would you like to see? So I typed out every single one. <laughs> <laughs> Wait, did you put every single one, or did you actually list? Them? I listed each oh, good man. Each, each story good that man. doesn't exist anymore. Good man. <laughs> so they are taking uh, polls and finding out what people think about it. So hopefully you filled one out because I think it only has a certain time frame at which you can do it. So if you haven't filled it out, fill it out. Yeah, <laughs> if it's not too late. You, you haven't filled it out. Fill it out. Vote early. Vote often. <laughs> or should we move on to reimagined? Uh, we don't have a synopsis of this because we don't actually have a physical copy. We, it did take us some time to <laughs> procure this one. Uh, a little history of this one. This is uh, Power of the Daleks Reimagined. Uh, it was actually released in three parts online. It stars Nick Stovall as the Doctor, and he also directed and wrote it, I believe, yep. adapted it. Uh, and then it yes stars Barnaby Edwards... Nick Briggs, who was just doing the voices of the Daleks, he's not actually in it, but he did the voices, and Lisa Bowerman, who, as we all know, plays uh, Bernice Summerfield. Uh, so they had some big Finnish guns uh, helping out with this as well. Uh, what they did is they uh, also took this to conventions, and they showed this around, and what they did is they had one big screen showing uh, that they made for fans, and they, their hope, and I don't know if this came through because I've never seen a follow-up of this, but their hope was to raise money for Cancer Research UK and for children in need so that they could do something for that and, and wouldn't step on any toes as far as copyright or things like that. They weren't in this to make money. It was a, it was a f- kind of a fan project that they did through TNT Films, who was a company that helps fans or, or other production companies get something on, on screen. And they made this, which... I think is a beautifully done little set with a yeah. seventy minute film. I think it's really well done. I liked it better than the actual episode. <laughs> <laughs> I, I watched this and I was blown away by how good it was. By knowing the story now, how much they were able to condense and slightly reorganize things that it made even more sense, um, while still remaining true to the spirit of it. 
<laughs> it almost gave you, because they said it on Earth instead of Vulcan and changed Vulcan to this company, it almost gave it more stakes because, oh, it's a planet I'm familiar with and people I care about. Right. And set in the not-too-distant future because it's April of this year. <laughs> and, and very impressive effects work. Oh, yeah. I mean, I, it was kind of going along and it was like, okay, I see what you did there. And then they got to the uh, uh, the hologram in the unit headquarters thing, which is displaying battleships and everything. And I was just like... Whoa, that looks amazing! And then the Dalek came out, and I went, "Oh, cool! You guys, you, you built a, a, a Dalek, and then another one, and then another one." I was like, "Okay, you built three, or you had friends build three, you know? However, everybody bring your Daleks together. We'll paint them the same." But they just kept coming, and then I got confused because it was like, "All right, I'm looking for the trickery now. Was that <laughs> CG, or was that a mirror, or how was that done?" And I'll be honest. By the time the thing gets rolling and they are all out there crowded in hallways moving at different times, I'm not unconvinced that they had more than three Daleks on set. I'm pretty sure they did. It wouldn't surprise me because it's that well done. Yeah. I was the same way. As, as more and more Daleks came through that teleport, I kept thinking, okay, that's easily done because you they just had the single shot of the Dalek coming through and then they had a single shot of a Dalek coming through and they had a you single just repeat shot of a Dalek it. through. And I thought, okay, well, they were just repeating the same shot from the three Daleks that they have. And then they wiped out to that one frame where they were all in that room and I thought, that doesn't look like they've CGI. That looks like they've got yeah. a room full of Daleks there. So I was quite impressed by that. When I sat down to watch this, I didn't know when this had come out. I didn't either. So <laughs> I was surprised to see... Oh, those are new series Daleks. Psychic paper. <laughs> yeah, psychic paper. I have all, all this sort of stuff. I, Which was a great... <laughs> they were new series Daleks, but they were painted. They like were painted, which was what I really liked. I'd like to see more new series Daleks, Daleks painted like old series yeah. Daleks. But the psychic paper with a Ford Every Access. Okay. And I was like, thank you. That makes <laughs> that so much more so sense much of this. than this button. <laughs> Oh, and that's one of those oh speed up things, and mm -hmm. as we've always it. said, yeah. <laughs> but no, I, I I was really really impressed with this one and uh, just how well it was done. What was his name that uh, that played the doctor? Nick and Stovall. Nick Stovall. Well, Scoville. Scoville. Sorry, yes, yeah, he, he Even while not necessarily the strongest acting I've ever seen in a Doctor Who fan film. He put his own stamp on it. He wasn't being Trout, and he wasn't trying to portray a doctor. He was just being the doctor. He had little elements of all of them kind of mixed in. And, oh my God, the console in the TARDIS was probably the most gorgeous thing ever. <laughs> I loved the console. But yeah, I, I was really blown away by how much I enjoyed it. Yeah. And I liked how it ended. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> kind of makes me wish they did a follow-up. Yeah, yeah. I think that was a deliberate, hey, you know, the, the, this could continue, but I think that was also a deliberate, oh, I got you ending too. Yeah. You know? Meaning yeah. we know we're not going to go on with this anymore. Uh, I think Nick Scoval has actually played the Doctor before. They used to do non-canonical uh, stage performances of Doctor Who television series, and he played a, that version of the Doctor on stage as well. So this wasn't even his first foray into mm -hmm. playing the Doctor. So uh, I think that his performance of the doctor was good i mean I, I actually quite enjoyed him and i think it's because he doesn't quite play it screwball but he doesn't quite play it serious he finds a a area in between those and strikes a very nice balance 
of of Patrick Troughton and Sylvester Robert McCoy Irvin. is who or, or reminded McCoy, me. Yeah. Somewhere even, in between those well, two. Well, but see, even McCoy, I think, had that 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 almost comical clown. I I think he's a little more uh, between Pertwee and maybe uh, Troughton and, and McCoy, if you ask me, because there are those uh, a lot of serious moments for. Well, maybe even Colin Baker. Uh, there's a lot of those serious moments that, that, that just they come across and, and he sells it to you, mm-hmm. both the comedy or the or the seriousness of it. I think he meets halfway, and I think that's what I enjoy about that doctor. It's very, while it uses some elements of doctors we're familiar with, it he makes it his own. So I like that a lot. Yeah, that's true. And I thought all the rest of the cast did a pretty good job too. They do. Um, nobody in there besides. The people in the war room in unit, I think, are. I mean, I'm sure they're they're professional they, actors. They, yeah, I think that they they all have that caliber of really talented fan film actors and actresses. Yeah, and they did a, a, a phenomenal job. And I thought Bragan really stood out. He was probably my least favorite <laughs> of them, but um, and then of course I think probably until the end. Yeah. Well. <laughs> Yeah, that one, the end was good. He did. Like that's the part the, of him that stands very, out. The end was very powerful. I yeah. think that works. Yeah, um, <laughs> they kept touting the fact that we got Barnaby Edwards, that we got Nicholas Briggs, that we yeah. got Lisa Bowerman. I think it's that very obvious. We got them in for you know four hours of shooting around a table, <laughs> <laughs> and they didn't do anything else on site. But well, I, kudos Nick still to did them. the voices yeah, for did. the Daleks, but right? he could have done that from a studio somewhere. Yeah. So I mean, yeah. he didn't have to be on set either. But so kudos to them for their involvement in helping that out. But I can see where that was probably a very easy thing for them to do because they oh, probably yeah. really shot their part in less than a day. So, and it, that almost seemed a little obvious to me, but it still worked, and it worked to bring Unit into the fold because while well, I think there's a lot of similar a lot of similarities between power and this the when we're t- I say power the TV series and this I like a lot of the changes they did by making Vulcan a company and this is actually an earth-based story and having the what political mechanisms we had going on within the story power of the Daleks by taking and making it a, a struggle between corporates and and uh, work worker class, and then the um, the Greenpeace, uh, the ecologists, or, yeah. Uh, yeah, ecologists. That was neat. The, the mm-hmm. power struggle was more on a on a, on a micro scale, mm-hmm. but it worked really well and it translated really well for this project. Yeah, I, I thought they also had a great use of stock footage. Yeah, <laughs> for like all the helicopters, but but it looked like they actually did get a helicopter. That, that was the thing throughout the the last part of it, you know, where it's like, okay, it opens and it's like you're you're it's tight and claustrophobic and a lot of very narrow shots of a computer or a piece of equipment, and it's like, okay, you know, you you you're, you got somebody who had the keys to the the, the superintendent room. building yeah. and the, you know i could see shooting that but as it went on and they opened it up a little bit more and then they go up to the roof and they're using and it's like okay this is a little more ambitious than than what i was giving you guys credit for and then the helicopter showed up and so i kept looking at all right is that cg is that stock footage is that i'm Did they not make a room look like a helicopter on the i'm not unconvinced they didn't have access to a no, helicopter I think, that, I think the scene where you see them run up to it and get in is actually was was must have been commissioned a helicopter for that particular yeah. scene which was kudos to them as it's flying it seems a very very real helicopter matted into right. a background which is i think is probably what they did there and that might have been the stock footage uh, yeah. as you're saying yeah. but yeah the, the the shots where they actually run up to the helicopter and climb in 
Yeah, that, that certainly was a helicopter sitting somewhere on a. I mean, it sure wasn't on the roof, but it was somewhere, somewhere a, when they shot. Yeah, it was well edited to make me it believe well that the oh, way yeah. it was put together. Um, and the of course, the thing uh, is, too, oh yeah, is I really believe that there that every location shot in that place was in this giant factory, you know, or, or drilling unit. Uh, that's another thing that they did is I, I this probably the the location they're using it's obviously a plant of some sort yeah. because they've got all the piping and things like that but making me believe that that was actually a drilling rig there that mm. I, I totally believed that yep. and the minimalistic computer uh, situation that they have in the one room the really narrow room I believed that that was actually the computer system that was running everything and then you've got the one guy that's you know got the helmet on backwards which bugged me because you can see the strap over his forehead but <laughs> seemed to be believable um, the whole uh, electrical panel thing that actually had switches that he was switching and I thought what factory let you shoot and actually switch power switch breakers <laughs> in your factory like that hopefully they weren't powering anything at the time yeah, I was very impressed with how well it was shot. And yeah, shot I mean, it, 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 it was done to the level of an episode of Doctor Who, if oh, not yeah. beyond, in many cases. And I really enjoyed the the, the switch that um, because while one of for me one of the best parts of the episode Power of the Daleks was when the production ramps up and they're manufacturing them and they're coming through the thing. You get that whole assembly line shot which is amazing it looks so cool i don't buy that that's all happening in that pod this is just nah, i don't i don't i don't, well, don't there's that it. line about a secret entrance so i yeah. wonder if it's just another <laughs> part of the base i don't buy it that they're getting access to but um the way that they changed that to the teleporter yeah and it was like okay yeah, yeah that's I'm, a clever that's, way to do it you you have fixed that now for me so there were a lot of little things like that that just you took this story and really ran with it and made it work yeah, uh, I think the thing that that troubled me the most that I don't think worked well was the interior of the TARDIS. It was far too claustrophobic. It was a neat little console that they had there, but you see the door and the console and just black all around. And so I don't think that that set worked as well. But fortunately, we're not inside that set for no, very you're really long, not any amount of time. So. <laughs> so that's that's where the money ran out. <laughs> <laughs> We really wanted to do the Eighth Doctor's, you know, full-blown yeah. gothic uh, ceilings. and That's what it felt like they were trying for. Couldn't, couldn't afford it. But I liked the tiny console. I, I thought it was a really cool kind of almost a throwback to the uh, the Fourth Doctor's secondary yeah. one, which yeah. I don't like. I really don't. I love the look of that room. I don't like that console. But this one worked for me. <laughs> well, I think they actually had time rotors on this one. Yeah. And that's, that's why you don't like the other one. I think that is why I don't like it. Well, the other one looks like a table. Yeah. An end table. All right, Sean, what do we got coming up on the schedule? Well, coming up on the schedule, uh, this week's Friday Night Who is New Earth. So for all you David Tennant fans out there, please, please, please feel free to jump in with our Friday Night at Midnight Doctor Who watch along and get on Twitter and look for those hashtags and join the conversation, as they say. And then our show next week, the Titan Comics 10th Doctor Series... Uh, we're finishing those off, so it's just 11 through 17. Which is a so big chunk of comics. it's a big chunk of comics, and if you are doing those in the uh, trade paperbacks, I found out that there are two volumes. Yeah, that it's the the one through or 11 through 15, and then there's a 16 and 17 that they released separately. Uh, let me stop you there because I think it's 11 through 14. There's a three in the other one? Okay, that makes more sense to me. That does make more sense. But uh, either way, there's two separate volumes of those, so don't read one and then think you're done. you got to get them both. But uh, 
uh, we'll be doing those issues. And then a big finish uh, mainline story, number... 82, The Settling. The Settling, which is another one that threw me because the first time I put it on the schedule, I misspelled it. <laughs> and I left the L out. And it was just the setting. And I went, well, what is the setting? And now it's the settling, which makes less sense. <laughs> so. Well, you know, sometimes when your house starts to settle, it makes all those creaks and groans, and that's going to be very scary. So it will be the doctor coming in to investigate a settling house. Oh. Yeah. Haunted. Haunted. Maybe. I don't <laughs> so, know. We haven't, re- we haven't listened to this one yet, so I'll find out this week. Back to those comics, I believe... If you're looking for the trade paperbacks, there is a chance that the volume seven, or is it eight, is, well, the, the later one. The later one. Probably is not out yet. Because, in fact, oh, really? the 11th Doctor, the last yeah, volume that year comes out, out in April. So, yeah, there's a chance that that next set won't be out yet. I thought for sure I saw it that it was out and it's saw it on Goodreads. Goodreads. Well, maybe yeah, that's where I saw it. Yeah, that, just because so. it's on Goodreads doesn't saying, mean it's I'm not, not out. I'm not definitively saying it's not out. It may be out there already, but I know that the 11th Doctor doesn't come out to April, and those books were running simultaneous to the 10th Doctor books that were coming out that that uh, in that section. So there's a good chance that second set's not out yet. Okay. Or last set's not out yet. That would be volume 7. Yeah, it's 15, 16, and 17. And a bonus time-traveling story from year 3. <laughs> Expected publication May 17th. So, no, it's not out yet. Yeah. So, you'll have to get the individual ones. That's how I track my Goodreads uh, books. Yeah, yeah I don't do the individual Instead of doing individual ones. So, yeah. So the hardcover and, and softcover are out. For volume 6. For volume 6. Okay, Full All schedule's right. on the website. Go look it up. <laughs> All right. Well, if you are a supporting... Uh, if you're a patron supporter for us we appreciate it if not and uh, we hope you'll uh, maybe look into that see if you can throw a little money our way donations uh, are handy to keep this show on uh, the road and again for all of those people that are already supporting us a huge thank you thank you thank you thank you we're working on another thank you project to uh, send out to uh, those uh, the uh, patron supporters because you get a little something extra for your support and so we're working on something uh, as we speak, and we will uh, let you know when that comes a little cro- closer to fruition. The other thing that you can do for us to support us is click some of those links on the right side of our page on TravelingTheVortex.com. portion of those proceeds go into the show as well. Anything else we need to talk about before we close this show? There is one more thing I didn't mention scheduling-wise because I didn't want to get too far out, but I'm going to put you on the spot because I realized you didn't do your homework last week. Coming up in a couple of weeks. Okay. There's, we're we're going to put us to poll soon. We're going to do three, I believe, is, is the way we've worked this out. Is There'll be a poll on Facebook, there'll be a poll on Twitter, and there'll be a poll on our website. Go ahead and take it. Well, <laughs> what we're doing is, we uh, down the road here, we want to know what you think are the worst monsters in Doctor Who. The real stinkers. The ones that you think are, are they're, you know, they're not even worth being in Doctor Who. Or you think they're kind of the bottom of the barrel of the last run. What we want to do is we want to examine those and maybe take a different look at those and a different approach and see if we agree with you. So what we're going to do is we're going to put, we're not going to put a list of every monster on there. I think what we're going to do is pare it down to probably eight maybe. And uh, we're going to take collect all the results. We you don't want to do those. a top ten, well, bottom we could, ten? We could do even ten. So we're going to compile all of those together. We're going to take a look at some of the monsters and uh, see if we can come up with maybe a different look at some of the classic sneakers. <laughs> We're challenging ourselves to to find the redemption, yeah. you know, in the in these monsters that kind of suck. Which and we strive to do anyway. Yeah. We strive to do it anyway, but well, we thought, well, let's really throw the gauntlet down and see what we can come up with. What we have found is a lot of times we come across episodes of 
stories that we review that we typically go against the general fan consensus of stories and so we wondered if that might be the case in certain situations with monsters as well so it's it's, it's kind of a, like you said it's a challenge and it's it's kind of a test to see where we fall on down on the, the side of these but those polls will be coming soon uh we're going to do a little <laughs> housekeeping after the show because that was one of the things that uh we need to formulate how we're going to do it so so be on the lookout for them and vote early and vote often Alright, that's going to do it for this week. Until next week, I'm Glenn. I'm Sean. I'm Keith. Cheers. Good night, everybody. Be seeing you. Thanks for listening. You have been listening to Traveling the Vortex. Doctor Who and all of its associated programs are owned and trademarked by the BBC. No infringement is intended or implied.